Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. This is our series, Clan of Two, where we recap all episodes of The Mandalorian every single week. I am your host, Brad Whipple, and joining me on the podcast today is the one and only Tori Fox. Tori. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just, the moment you've long I'm been living. waiting for. I've been waiting for this my entire life. I'm ready to talk about this. I'm very excited. And I don't think you exaggerate when you say that you've been waiting. No, your no, entire I'm not life. exaggerating. You I'm, mean it. Yeah. I mean it. Yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is a big day for Star Wars fans as of the time that we're recording this. It is big day Friday. for the fan fam, you know, everyone. <laughs> it's Friday, December 4th. Wowie. What a great time. We are talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 14, The Tragedy, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by John Favreau. We have two episodes left in this season of The Mandalorian, and then we have to wait like another nine months until we get more content, and I'm not okay with it because I need Mando in my life all the time, every time. Hopefully it's that short of a time frame. I'm kind of concerned with COVID. Like, do you know about, have they started filming or... I think they have. Are on track? They've definitely, they've started filming the Cassian series, so I see no reason as to why I guess they wouldn't be filming Mando, I guess. Yeah. But right. I think their plan was to start shooting by the end of the year. So I'm hoping that like John Favreau posts another uh, photo similar to the naked Gamorrean he posted last year to tell us yes. like, hey, season th- <laughs> season two began. And Just he another that photo. Gamorrean, please. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to post like a picture of uh, a Doug. <laughs> Give yeah, me some okay. Dougs. Listen, I there is <laughs> it is criminal. How little Dougs we see in Star really Wars content. Is. Criminal. I think the last one that I've seen in live action was the one in Dex's Diner in Attack of the Clones. Like, I don't think we've yeah. seen another one since that. Like, that's a bummer. Yeah, it really is. Hashtag give us the Dougs. Criminal. But Tori, I'm so excited and just going to lay it out there. Obviously, this is a spoiler discussion on The Mandalorian. So if you haven't watched, I wouldn't assume you're listening to this podcast uh, but if you are turn it off go yeah, watch hope this you've episode. already turned it off because i already said something <laughs> what are you still doing here leave <laughs> yeah go watch it's excellent it's good star wars but no i'm so excited we're gonna kind of just talk through our emotions of the episode we're fresh off of watching it i've watched it three times today i'm probably gonna watch it another several times this weekend probably Absolutely. gonna watch every mm-hmm. single spy kids movie while i'm at it and <laughs> yes, shark boy yes, and lava girl yes. like we're watching the entire Robert Rodriguez Bye, cinematic kids. universe, like everything. Yeah. Let's give some background to start to Robert Rodriguez, because this is a pretty significant person to have involved in the Star Wars franchise. He's a very, very tenured director. He's been doing so much over the years. Also the first Latino filmmaker to do any Star Wars live action, which like that's just a huge win for uh you know for diversity and inclusion and and representation within star wars behind the camera so that is awesome to see but robert rodriguez he you probably know him for again the spy kids movies shark boy lava girl he's done desperado which there is a desperado easter egg in this episode el mariachi also did he also did alita battle angel and i still he, haven't seen that and i wanted yeah. to i need to look into that 
His newest film on Netflix is also coming out on Christmas Day. It's called We Can Be Heroes, which is a, a continuation of Shark Boy and Love Girl. So this guy is like stacked in terms of experience. He's yeah. wonderful. What do you think of Robert Rodriguez and just bringing him to do a, a Star War? Absolutely wonderful. Um, it was cool watching the episode and just kind of like the vibe is there, you know, like he just has a specific vibe and it was there and it was so very good. Um, yeah, I'm. I hope he gets more. I hope next season they bring him back because I really think this is one of my favorite episodes at this point. Yeah. It was kind of just a batshit, crazy, action-packed, action-filled episode. Like, they didn't hold back. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this a million times where we're like, ah, wow, they didn't really hold back this episode, but this episode's no different. (laughs) Still Mm -hmm. just, like, pulling no punches, just going for it. It's amazing. There there were several times where I was like, damn, that that was hot. (laughs) I was like, this is good. This is some good stuff. Oh yeah. Uh it's it's wonderful. I will say if you love Robert Rodriguez, everybody should go watch the Chef Show, which is John Favreau's cooking show that he hosts with Roy yeah. Joy. And it is wonderful. It is so I good. Don't There's know an if episode. I've seen this episode. I need to make sure yeah. that I've seen that. There's an episode with Dave Filoni at Skywalker yes, Ranch. That one's great. <laughs> fantastic. There's also an episode, and I just watched it today with Robert Rodriguez and John Favreau and Robert cook pizzas together and they just eat pizza and Robert talks about filmmaking and it's just wonderful it's so good that's such a good show yeah he talks about how he relates filmmaking to cooking and that helps a lot of his actors kind of get in their zone and he says the script is like the grocery list the ingredients are uh that you get at the grocery store is like the shooting and then the editing is that that's when you're in the kitchen you got to perfectly balance everything and he also said that he has all of his actors on set paint, learn how to paint, because he wants them to take different creative avenues in order to kind of like better focus on their performance. And I'm just saying, I want to see footage. I need painting photos. I need, <laughs> I need baby Yoda puppet painting. <laughs> I want to see Robert Rodriguez oh my God, teaching Grogu. Pedro oh how my to God. paint. Wow. I think paint. that's the first time I haven't called him Grogu. 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 Grogu gang. Grogu, Grogu gang. Yeah. I just want to see um, behind the scenes painting. Anyways, Tori, what were your thoughts on chapter 14? Again, just it was really like the whole gang's back together. You got Fennec Shan, you got Boba Fett, you got Moff Gideon, you got Mm -hmm. Mando, you got pretty much Katie O'Brien's back. Uh, We're we're hinting at Mayfeld's coming back. There's just (laughs) a lot. happening what are your thoughts what's running through your head so hard um i loved it like i said at the beginning of this episode i've been waiting my entire life for this like i have been waiting to see boba fett like kick butt like this in real life and the fact that it's tamura morrison is just so special and he's incredible um so that was just a really cool i feel like people have like characters that are super super meaningful to them and they show up it's like the biggest like aha moment ever and I don't really know if I've had anything quite like this before like I don't think I've had that until this moment I feel like a lot of the characters I like you may have noticed are like obscure characters or characters that are really not like a main deal and so to have him to have him show up period you know at the beginning I mean at the end of 
Uh, the first episode of the season was super special, but to have him just pop up with the outfit on, it was beautiful. And I'm just so glad that I held out hope for Fennec Shan because I was like, there is no way that you have Ming-Na Wen join your show and then you kill her like that. That is... That is just gross. I don't like that. So I'm glad that she's back. She kicked all sorts of butt. Um, I keep replaying that like thing where she like jumps off the rock and like has her leg out and then shoots. Yes. Like as she, oh, I have that like replaying in my head on a loop at this point. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. I mean, and you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me that I thought was really exciting was there's always that is Boba Fett a real Mandalorian, like, discourse that you have with people, which I've never particularly super cared, but it's cool to have an answer and be like, yes, his father was a foundling. Yes, this is all legit. Like, there's a reason why he had the armor, because I'm pretty sure, I don't really know, I didn't really get into, like, extended stuff too much, but, you know, in terms of, like, actual regular canon, I don't, it's always just been, oh, yeah, he got the armor from someone, but to say, you know, he was a foundling, Mm-hmm. very cool very 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 cool yes there's a lot to cover and i think this episode definitely fed the attack of the clones fans oh, it fed the dark forces oh, fans arguably it fed oh. the jedi fallen order fans it also fed the Raylos, myself included because of the oh blue i butterfly. could not believe like what is <laughs> happening with that like i'm what because I've heard people say that Kylo's theme showed up too. Yeah, so there's a a couple of comments about that. So the Kylo theme, like at the very end, where I, it's actually the baby, the song called "The Baby" from Chapter Eight, but it's in like a minor key, so it's mm-hmm. like Brogu's theme, but sort of this darker, more ominous take on it. And that I think that's kind of hinting towards he's lost his attachment to Din that's been taken away from him. That kind of proximity with his so father. He's angry. And he's getting he's a turning, little angry. Turning down. Yeah. So as much as I thought the ending was kind of funny when he's tossing the clo- the stormtroopers around. It's kind of sinister. It's also too, kind yeah. of bad. Yeah. It's also kind yeah. of spelling some some not so great things to come with, with Grogu and like what lengths he might go to to reunite with his dad. I don't oh. think ultimately he'll end up being uh, a dark side person or being no. but uh this is kind of like his goth phase you know he's kind of going through it oh yeah absolutely you know? i don't know if you noticed i didn't even mention the that ending part i'm just i'm just riding the high from fennec and yeah. boba honestly and like, oh for sure and like also thinking about it like it's so exciting because when he showed up at the end of the first episode of the season i was like well that's cool. He'll probably show up again. But I didn't expect this where we're now mm. looking at the last couple of episodes and he's likely part of all of them. Yeah. Right? That's there cool. was a point when I was wondering, are they ever actually going to show Boba Fett or is this their way of saying, hey, find out on the Boba Fett series coming soon yeah, to Disney Plus. I can see that as well. <laughs> so I did not expect to wake up this morning and be like, I'm about to watch a Boba Fett episode of The Mandalorian. Like that was not on my to-do list today. No, it wasn't on mine either. I didn't, I did not expect that at all. <laughs> and I, I say that too, because we knew that the episode was going to be 32 minutes. And I was like, shit, this is probably going to be one of those like, you know, kind of quieter, intimate filler episodes, quote unquote filler. I hate the word filler. I'm really upset. I just used it. But I mean that in terms of it's not necessarily going to advance a whole lot. It'll kind of build on the more character relationships between Din and Grogu. And I was like, yeah, it's just going to be that, you know, then the seven and eight uh, episode of the season will kind of be the big ones, right? No, Mm -hmm. this is like 32 minutes, action-packed storytelling, delivered 
like more than what an even a two-hour movie could deliver sometimes oh and God. i was just so impressed the with the storytelling was, that could happen the path was amazing yeah yeah i don't know i had i had the feels i had feeling i was like this is gonna be a big one but it's gonna be a lot really fast and that's what happened so yeah well we <sighs> found out too that Boba was the one at the end of chapter five, the gunslinger. That I mean, yes, that was confirmed. That was exciting too. Yeah. Yeah. When you saw that in the previously on, like that was the first thing they. Oh, that with. was. I was like, well, <laughs> yep, that's what's happening. I said to myself, that yeah, I, I kind of saw your note where you're like, it's kind of a kind of getting spoiled right before. I agree in a way. I definitely just I was excited at that point because as soon as they showed that, I was like, okay, well, Fennec's at least showing up, and you know, after seeing Boba at the beginning of this season um you know and having it confirmed that he's a part of the series i definitely thought that it would have been him that picked her up so yeah Heck yeah it was it's and nice like, to to show that that was kind of the long plan too right i mean that's yeah it was cool to see that that it was that far in advance that they were planning for all of this it's really really cool also yeah. like props to fennec like i love her like bionic abdomen and how she can she's wearing an outfit where she can just like pull away a panel and flex that you know <laughs> <laughs> felt very westworld <laughs> it was it was it was very cool i like that a lot yeah. it was really fun it made me wonder like do you think that she was ever supposed to to come back from the dead because to me like f- there's kind of in the back of my head i'm like are they responding to fans who were like really upset that ming no died on the mandalorian and it's like this is our way to get her back in because i was like damn Bobo's learned some tech skills. Is she like a droid? Like, did he just repair some of her organs? Like, what's going on yeah. in there? Like, I, I just don't know, like, what she's considered. Like, is she a droid? Like, part droid? <laughs> I it's think so they weird. just probably replaced, you know, whatever part of her was damaged from yeah. the, the gunshot. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like at this point, it's way more planned out than I realized, if that's the case. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that... Boba walked up to her body and saw that she died and then was like hot on the trail or something like that but I don't know I I, I would like to think they didn't just kill her off because I mean she's amazing so yeah no <laughs> and I, I'm just I, so I, excited it's the three of them and the slave one like, what? Like, that's so cool. <laughs> I, I I do think yeah it's probably more planned out than I originally thought and I was happy to know that was the case and yeah slave one uh the Beautiful. fact when I heard those engines rumbling in the sky and I was like, it's so cool too. Like, yeah, I was like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And then the, it just goes right to it. And I'm like, holy shit. And it passes that one pillar and you can't really see it for a couple seconds. And then it pops back out the other side and it keeps flying. You're just like, oh my God, it's landing. Oh my God. Uh, Truly it's on the incredible. Yeah. Like ugh. it's insane. Goosebumps. For me, this episode definitely ranks very highly as part of some of my favorite episodes of the mandalorian for sure i think Same. the the stakes have actually never felt higher in the show i think this was the first time where i was legitimately like worried about the result because chapter seven and eight i think i maybe felt the same then but this was a whole different type of worry because it's like now the baby's not within mando's possession right like at least before you had ig kind of coming to save the baby and carrying him around that sort of thing and nursing him but like baby's like on the ship out of hyperspace gone like mando does not have a ship he doesn't have a baby all he has left is a spear he's lost his pulsar rifle that is like the infamous mandalorian pulsar rifle that he's been carrying around Mm -hmm. which like that's kind of crazy to think that that's not in his possession anymore so he's kind of just 
kind of cruising and tagging along with Boba Fett at this point. I mean, where when's he going to get his next ship? Because he can't keep Boba's slave one forever. I don't know. Yeah, I... I the poor Razor Crest man, like damn, <laughs> just can't catch a break, and now it's gone, which is crazy because I thought about all the people. I mean, not 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 that it matters. I mean, it's a cool ship. It doesn't really matter if it got blown up, but like just thinking about like that, like has labs, like really really cool like <laughs> thing. And I'm just like, oh man, like it really sucks. But um, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm very intrigued to see um what's gonna happen with his ship problem. Um, it was so cute to see the ball still survive though. And, and of course, of course the spear survived, but, um, yeah. as soon as he started like moving around the wreckage, I was like, the ball is there. The ball is there. <laughs> yeah. I teared up for sure. And that to me says, obviously they're going to get reunited because there's going to oh, be the moment where he's like hey oh, i still got your ball and oh, then we're all going to start sobbing our eyes oh, out. Oh my god. You could tell too. <laughs> I like felt like in my head, I was like, oh my God, Mando's crying right now. Like when he was like picking up the ball, I was like, he's tearing up. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing I loved about this episode was I think it wasn't actually filmed on the volume. I think most of it was actually filmed on location. Oh, yeah, really? Because hmm. I, I remember seeing some sort of like leaked images or something of like stormtroopers in this environment, like outside. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this was actually filmed like on location. Like, it wasn't filmed That's inside cool. a studio. I love that. And you can kind of tell too, because like there's certain shots where the sun's shining at the camera and there's like these white bars on the side of the image. And you can kind of see that glare and even the way the, the light reflects off Mando, it just felt like too natural, too outdoors. So yeah. I think that's kind of cool that this episode, it almost gave me some Spy Kids 2 vibes, which like, I don't know if that was oh, on purpose yeah. or, you know, but uh, maybe Robert Rodriguez is like, I love a good island. <laughs> I love <laughs> yes. a, I love a nice location set. So uh, that was a cool part of the episode as well. And again, just like kind of introducing some more force stuff. I'm always a huge fan of that. And I, I think the big question mark is, did that awaken something within Grogu? Because now he's kind of using the force more at the end of the episode. Like, is he, did he tap into some old knowledge he didn't know he had or some new skills? Yeah. Uh, I want to know what he out? saw. Like, that's the one, that's my one complaint about the episode. The only one is like, what did he see? Which I'm sure we'll, we'll know in due time. But yeah. My only complaint about the episode is, Din Djarin, pick up your goddamn jetpack. Oh my god. As soon as, oh my god, as soon as it was like, oh no, I have to get back up the mountain, I was like, you took your jetpack off, you fool. Why would you take your jetpack off? Get so many opportunities to get that jetpack back on. Like, Ugh. like they all picked up their weapons and he's just it like hurts. booking it out it of there, like without hurts. the jetpack. Yeah. I'm just like, it's dude. Not good. What? It's like the, when you watch a horror movie, you're like, don't go in the basement. They're like, let's try yeah. the basement. You're like, God, yeah. why? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this episode was definitely action-packed, and uh, I'm super happy. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just so bizarre to me to see Boba Fett in armor. Like, he is inside the armor. It's not Cobb Vant. That is Tamora Morrison speaking. Oh, it's beautiful. That was such a beautiful yeah. sight. Yeah. Oh, I loved how he, like, started kicking all sorts of butt, and then yeah. the stormtroopers were like, Get back on the ship. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots missiles time, out of his knee. Time like, to go. Is, Beautiful. Oh my God. Happening? So good. Oh Damn. God. Yeah. And then him using the gaffy stick too. I mean, that was just. Oh, that was insane. Amazing. I did not expect that to happen. One of my favorite things about his appearance prior to this, like, you know, just in the little teaser that we got was the fact that he had, he had that. 
and to see him use it was beautiful. It was like the armor all over again. I love where you see like the stormtrooper um, armor just like splinter. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I have never needed a Funko Pop so badly in my life. Oh I my need God, right. the Boba Fett like two pack with him wearing the Tatooine outfit and also wearing his armor again. Like I need yes. it. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Good. Or like I'm a down. black series, yeah. No, he he looks oh, so good. Oh, black series is gonna be cool. That's yeah. gonna be really cool. Have to get that. Otherwise, Oof. we can just kind of get right into the the emotional roller coaster of this episode because I think mm-hmm. it really was one of those things where, you know, you start the episode with Dinjar and going Grogu, and he's like laughing, and I'm just like, this oh. is the funniest <gasps> shit ever. So pure, like just so cute. Because I feel like that's what everyone else was doing, like watching all those videos on a loop of him being like, Groku, and everyone laughing about it, and then he was doing it. Ugh, beautiful. <laughs> like, I've already seen somebody post a new one. They're like, I can't get over this. And it's just so adorable. So Grogu cute. knows his name. But like, the whiplash of like that, and you're like, oh my god, so cute. I mean, the end of it was pretty sad. I was like, I was tearing up a little bit, honestly, where he like yells, where he's like, Dang Farrick, and he's like so upset because he's like, I'm gonna have to let the baby go. And he's like, You're just, you're just really special, kid. I'm like, Oh my God, it's too much. I wanted to talk about that because w- I was a little taken aback when I was like, Wait, why is he upset? But the more I've watched it, I am realizing it's because he realizes j- just how well versed he is in the force. He's like, Oh, this was never kind of meant to be between us. Like, yeah, we are I think different. he was hoping that like, Baby wouldn't grab, wouldn't grab it from him that time or something, or it wouldn't be as good or something. Yeah, yeah, I think there's like something in him that's like hoping that something doesn't work out, and that they'll just you know be together forever, which is <laughs> just so sweet. But like the whiplash from that moment, and then like <laughs> the tragedy, and you're like, what is going on? We're like, like five minutes into this, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah, the whiplash is the best way to describe it because I was like, this is going to be a good, fun. Again, I was like, yes, we're going right to Trython. We're going there. We're going to get on the stone. It's going to be like some flashbacks. Like, baby's going to learn some stuff. Din's going to be there watching him. And then, like, the end is going to be crazy. It's like, no, tragedy. I'm like, great. That means we're just kind of screwed right from the get go, obviously. Yeah, like, you know what's happening in this episode, which I kind of had a feeling anyway. I feel like to make the last two episodes interesting and, you know, with all the hints and things that we've seen, like, I definitely feel like, you know, at some point, baby was going to get picked up by Moff Gideon. But, like, mm-hmm. to just have the the title be The Tragedy <laughs> is just, like, so extra, so much drama. Like, I audibly was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> just, just came from the other room. He's like, I heard you yelling. <laughs> like, I'm not ready for this. It's as if a million voices cried out in terror. Suddenly <laughs> we're silenced. Suddenly we're silenced. I always think of Sky Talkers, who they always infamously say Star Wars is tragedy. So as soon as I saw the title, I was like, oh, God, are the Sky Talkers okay right now? Are they doing okay? Yeah. (laughs) I'm also glad that it was this chapter to take that darker turn, because I think the thing I didn't like as much last season was we really only got one episode of like Moff Gideon and that was it. But now we get yeah. like that extra kind of episode, like the last two of like a, almost like a two part finale in a way of like, oh, no, this is like a totally, totally a rescue mission this whole time. Like you're getting like another two hours. Hopefully, I hope they're long episodes. I agree. These last I hope couple. They're long. Uh, yeah. And ideally, that's a lot of time for them to fix the problem. <laughs> yeah. Get Grogu back, please. I don't know if yeah. I can live with a cliffhanger. No. Which with, made me think involving too. Grogu. 
like how can they top the dark saber reveal of this season are they gonna do another massive cliffhanger i feel like it would have to be a reveal so my my general thought process at this point is like and like i don't know how i feel about it because i feel like i'm i'm always saying this where i'm like i don't want too many people you know especially people that we know like popping in or whatever but i feel like one of a couple things could happen but i feel like one of the big reveals could potentially be a jedi showing up after being made aware of Grogu's existence, right? Yeah. Like, that's kind of already... Those seeds have kind of already been planted, so to speak. So it could be... That could be the big reveal at the end is, like, Cal Kestis or Ezra Bridger shows up. Please. One of those would be cool. Um, But I don't know. At the same time, though, I feel like a big reveal could be that Grogu did not reach out with the Force because he decided that he wanted to stay with Mando. Yeah. That is an interesting thought, because I do want Grogu to stay with Mando. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And there was that whole conversation of, I can't train you, you're too powerful. Don't you want to learn more of that Jedi stuff? And the whole time, baby, was kind of like, nah, like, I don't know. (laughs) And and then Din said, you know, you have to agree with them if they want you to. Which I thought that was an interesting choice of words, because I think that's kind of the, the, the wrongdoing of the Jedi to begin with. They kind of forced a lot of these younglings or these force sensitive children into the jedi way without yeah their choice and that was kind of what they were doing when they were quote-unquote abducting these kids into the jedi order and from a certain point of view it is an abduction of sorts it's a separation from uh, the attachment that kind of underpins their life but i think that is really making me strongly believe the show can't end with the separation because if we think of separation being sort of the original sin of star wars that's caused all the problems in the galaxy i can't imagine the story ending with a sin with a separation like it has to it has to be a coming together you know like the mandalorian it's kind of like it's like a creed it's a it's a family it would seem so weird for me to have the show end with dinjar and saying goodbye because it's like what does his purpose now serve without the child you know, yeah, it just makes me think, you know. Yeah, I, and that's the thing, too, is I kind of feel like if if they do go the route of like, oh, you know, so and so shows up and it's time for baby training. Um, With that, I feel like, yeah, what's Din's purpose? What is Din going to do? I feel like this show, yeah, it's called The Mandalorian, but I don't really feel like I picture the show not having Grogu involved at this point. Because I think it's very, very quickly, very rapidly showing that it is about their relationship. So. Mm-hmm. I don't even think of, when I see the name The Mandalorian, I don't even think of Din Djarin as much. I think of both. Yeah, I agree. The Mandalorian yep. can That's, mean anybody. Yeah, it's both of them. It's both of them. The Mandalorian's Bo-Katan. The Mandalorian's Boba Fett. The Mandalorian's Baby Yoda. Like, it's, it's all, all there. baby. You know? Yeah, I'm hoping that I'm hoping the boat I'm hoping the Bo Katan shows up. Maybe the armorer. I want a big fight at the end. I mean, I cannot believe that they're bringing back Bilber. This is just <laughs> 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 I can't get over that. I want to talk about the actual location and the force aspect of the episode because one, I love the location. I loved when they first get there and there's like the Mandalorian theme that's playing. But then there's also kind of this like chime noise, this like ambient noise that's playing almost mm. like a triangle. It's like a, like, like a tingling noise. And I nice. love how it's mixing these Mandalorian vibes 
with this sort of like ancient and natural soundscape you can kind of hear like the birds you can kind of hear like just nature mm-hmm. and so it's kind of that just like natural element of the force where you tap into all the living being things around you that bind everything together but then also like the underpinning of like the mandos here now it's like mixing yeah. with that and that was pretty cool to just hear that and then to have the seeing stone and this imagery of it like shooting up into the sky. My mom thought it, he was going to be abducted like it was a UFO or something. <laughs> she was like, is he going to fly into the sky? I'm like, I don't oh think so. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and I just love when Din's like, this is the seeing stone. Are you seeing anything? I'm like, Yeah, like, Din. you're supposed to do this. I don't know what the heck we're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, dad joke of the century. But what did you think oh, yeah. of this sort of full-on force introduction because I, I really do think you know besides obviously ahsoka being a part of the show this is really the first time we're kind of seeing the force at work the cosmic force like interjecting into these people's lives and really becoming a player in the game yeah i thought it was very fun i agree i love the planet um i also had a note about the music because i um, and I think it, you talk about like the chime and kind of when they land and stuff, but it, it really trickled in like hardcore into like the theme that was playing when anytime the camera would focus on, on baby being kind of like in his little moment, you know, which by the way, please look at his hands. His hands are doing like a little like meditative, like, yes. and it's so cute. But anyway, <laughs> it's like the chef's kiss, uh, where he's yeah, got all his like, fingers basically. together. Yeah, like just kind of like, I mean, I think that's kind of like the... And I don't know any terms, so I don't want to, like, mess this up. But it's kind of like a general kind of, like, meditation stance, I would say, that people take. But I just thought that was amazing. Uh, but, yeah, like, the chimes really went hardcore on, in on that. And it was very, like, almost kind of, like, whimsical in a way. I don't know. It was very it was very different, but obviously still very good because, you know, Ludwig did it. So, hello. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I loved it. I, the visuals were really pretty. Um, I really want to go back in and try and see if I can figure out, which I'm sure someone on the internet's probably already on it, um, what is around the base of the stone when it lights up. It's got, like, uh, letters along mm-hmm. the stone, so I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued to learn that. That's where I kind of thought the Jedi Fallen Order influence came into play, where, like, you know, the checkpoints... <laughs> Where Cal Kestis would like sit down and you'd save your game and get you to your, your skill tree. I was like, baby Yoda's upgrading his skill tree right now. What's he going to come out with? <laughs> He's going to yeah, start shooting lightning yeah, out of his <laughs> fingers. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love yes. that. I didn't even think about that. I, I, I did love it, though. And it, it was kind of that dr- dramatic. Uh, we, we've seen these types of stories before, right? Where you can't, uh, the person's got to do something, whether it's in like an, an action movie where they're like, no, I got to upload this thing to the computer. Like you got to buy me more time, you know? So that kind of felt like that. And then of course, like all of the shit is just hitting the fan outside of that. You got like (laughs) Boba coming in, you got to deal with him. Then you got the empire coming in, you got to deal with him. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, Mando, you really have kind of topped your shitty situation more so than you ever oh, have he always like i <laughs> i mean i don't fully blame him normally for like the entire scenario but he does sometimes make poor choices <laughs> i would say i would classify where you're like come on man what are you doing like <laughs> <laughs> but um i loved i loved how it was like a whole force field kind of scenario going on and i loved um 
I almost thought towards the end, I was like, is he going to pull like a, the immediate, the immediate thing that jumped in my head was Wolverine in X-Men 3, The Last Stand, where he's like walking up to Jean Grey and he's like (gasps) slowly like melting away. Basically, I was like, is he going to like force himself through the force field and it's going to be like, oh, the power of a father's love or like something, but obviously (laughs) that didn't happen. But I kind of was like, is he going to just be really stubborn about this and try and force his way in? Like... But I love that. I love that detail. Din's like, maybe if I try it a third time, I can get in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? I'm like, Din, you just got knocked unconscious Although, the yeah. second time. So when he, give yeah, when he did it the second time and he like he hit the ground hard, I actually thought he wasn't going to get up. I was like, oh, my God, you've just like incapacitated yourself and the enemy's on the way. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's just crazy. So we get Boba Fett and I know we've we've still talked about him quite a bit but as somebody who's a huge boba fett fan how do you think that this episode added to his character because obviously a lot of times i think the the first thing that comes to mind when anybody thinks of boba fett is like fan service or like oh he's a dumb character he doesn't have a story you know he's just mysterious and everybody loves him but i think this was really the first time where i've kind of started to see people go oh I think I kind of like this character now. I think I get it. And I saw that even with, from a certain point of view, the empire strikes back. There's a story in there written by Zoraida Cordova and it's called wait for it. And it's a Boba Fett story about how he is essentially like angry at the world because every single bounty or every single target that escapes his, his hands is like the Jedi who got away. It's the Mace Windu that could yeah. go harm somebody else, you know, and, and yeah. he's the reminder to himself of his father. And at this point, he's older than Jango Fett, which is yeah. kind of sad to think about. But what, what do you think this adds to Boba's story to like kind of his mythos and his mystery and why is somebody who didn't like Boba Fett before? Like, why should they like him now? maybe yeah um i it's been cool seeing people say like <laughs> sometimes begrudgingly like oh wow i like this character now like i didn't expect this but i'm really glad for it honestly because i'm not gonna lie there have been some times in the fandom which i mean when i say hurt i'm not like i don't actually care that much but there are people that are like even mutuals of mine that will say things like really like just mean things about people that like boba fett and i'm just over here in the corner like I really like Boba Fett. And I get it. There's like a section of fandom that's maybe a little uh, not great. That yeah. are big Boba Fett fans. Like, I get it. I do. Um, But to me, um, I honestly feel like we're at a point where like a lot of the things that they're doing with the Mandalorian could be classified as fan service. I mean, I would say like a lot of the season could potentially be classified as that. Um, But I think all of it's been very intentional. So I can't fault any of that, you know, and that's the thing is like all of this stuff with Boba seems so intentional. And that's why, like, as I think you've mentioned, like, you think we're kind of going to Camino, and I agree. And I think that that would make the presence of Boba makes a trip to Camino or even dealing with Caminoans in general, which is kind of what it seems Dr. Pershing is affili- affiliated with, with his, mm-hmm. you know, patch on his sleeve. And cloning, like, you know. it makes it so much more intentional. It makes it so much more personal and important. 
Um, and I loved everything about him. He had, like, honestly, I think some of my favorite lines I've ever heard in the series. You know, uh, hold on, I have them written down because I was like, this is some good stuff. I mean, you know, for him to quote his father to begin with was incredible. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, when he said, I'm, I, I'm like, just a simple man trying to make my way through the galaxy like my father before me, which is kind of a abs- mix of a Luke which quote. Was a, yeah, a mix of, yeah, a mix of Django and then also kind of like Luke, like uh, like my father before me. I was like, this is beautiful. What? Which I think is actually important for his character to say that second part because it shows me that he's doing these things. He's taking these actions in name of his father. He's like trying to live out his father's path. Mm -hmm. Like it's an honor. It's an honor to him, to his memory. Yeah. I think all of the things that happened are, it's very apparent that he's very much about honor, you know, honoring his father and then just being like a really, like, I think some of the like comics and things that have come out as of late and stuff has kind of given you like a very ruthless Boba Fett, I would say. But this is kind of the Boba Fett I've always hoped for where he's. He's clearly been through a lot, and he's he's a man of honor at the end of the day, right? Like, he has the discussion with Fennec and Mando. He's like, let's put our weapons down. Let's have a chat. Yeah. We don't need to kill each other. Like, let's just talk this out. Um, but I I loved his line, fate sometimes steps in to, to rescue the wretched. Beautiful. Amazing. So, I, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was a really great way to make a character that has long been a fan favorite. Like, give him some real purpose. And real intention. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, like at the end, too. Hey, we said we were going to we were going to honor our deal of, you know, the baby being safe. And now the baby's gone. Yeah. So I guess we're I guess we're all in it together. Like, how cool is that? And there was a specific shot that I, I kind of noticed on my third watch through of Din Djarin in the ashes of his ship, picking up the spear of Beskar. And you see you see Boba Fett on the left side of the screen. And then in the fo- in the background, you see Din Djarin holding the spear up. And then there's a shot, reverse shot to Boba kind of looking at him and almost seeming like very pitiful, very empathetic. And yeah. to me, that says like, Boba is thinking, this is a guy who's kind of like me. He's, yeah, he's just lost everything. Yeah. Um, this mm-hmm. ship obviously meant a lot to him. He's just not only lost his relative, you know, quote unquote kid. Uh, he's lost his ship. He's lost probably his pride. He's he's I've just I'm like witnessing probably one of his lowest moments. And he's like me. He's a Mandalorian. He wears armor. He has true Beskar as a spear. Yeah. Like this guy is all in on on the creed and the way of the in the way of the foundling, just like my dad. And there's that yeah. kind of there's an intimate connection of like I was a foundling. Your dad was a foundling. And this is, I think, what needed to be the connective tissue between Boba and Din Djarin, because that brings the the point of him being in the show to uh, be important and significant and yes, not just paint him as somebody that's ruthless and would go, Oh, I'm going to, re- you know, I'm going to scratch the deal. I don't get to help you anymore to, to help the baby. Yeah, I'm just a ruthless and- guy. Ha 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 ha. You know, flies away. That, that's yeah. stupid. That's, that's how comic writers write Boba Fett. And that's just not him. This is Boba yeah. Fett. Yeah, exactly. I think there's, there's a lot of underlying things and that's why, I, I mean, you know, I really liked him as a kid when there wasn't really a ton of content about him. But as time has gone on, you know, you do have some really interesting content in like Clone Wars and things like that. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, you really hit the nail on the head. It's about honor and, you know, sensing that Mando is also like, even though it was kind of contradictory to what uh, Boba wanted, which was getting his armor back, he could tell in that moment, you know, him kind of refusing the armor was like, oh, this is a man of honor. He's refusing this to me because he doesn't quite understand like why it would belong to me and he wants it to 
to be with the right kind of person or whatever, you know, like it's all about that and, and, um, like a kinship almost like you can tell that they have that and that's awesome. Yeah. And the fact that he rescued Fennec Shan and brought her back to life. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He saw that she was left for dead in the Tatooine desert, just like him. Like he's he's sympathetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's sympathetic. Yeah. He's very, yeah. He's very, yeah. Oh yeah. And this is the characterization we have needed for this character because, again, like you talk about those recent comic books, he just ruthlessly killed a really cool character kind of just for no reason. And like the final shot of that comic is like him standing over her dead body, which I'm just like, why? Why do we need that? What does that add to this character? It just shows him to be ruthless and not have any sort of moral compass. Like characters that don't have a moral compass are just boring and bland, but I don't really see any sort of value in just, you know, killing, you know, I don't, I don't like violence just for the sake of violence. And I think that's why a lot of people have kind of, kind of eye roll at Boa Fett, Mm -hmm. which I get because yeah, a lot of content is just kind of like, there's no real reason behind it. It's just to be like, big cool man but now we're really getting into it really getting into some good stuff here i'm so excited when he says the line sometimes uh fate steps in to rescue the wretched that's you said that you mentioned that line (sighs) beautiful what do you Mm. think that line means to you and also what do you think he spent his years on tattooing doing because one we clearly see he's in great shape and he's kicks ass so he could have definitely working out he kicked you could have kicked Cobb vance ass for sure so like why didn't he get yeah. the armor sooner? And also, like, why was he on Tatooine for so long? And then what does this line mean to, to you and, and, and perspective of his character? I, I mean, the line is just beautiful. And like we already kind of said, it was kind of him drawing on comparisons between himself and Fennec Shand. And I feel like when you look at it, it's, it's him talking about himself. But I think also maybe he's kind of talking about Mando, too, in a way. Maybe, maybe not him actually realizing it, but it's kind of him. Like, let's, like, let's look at the end of the episode, right? Like, it's Mando, and he's kind of like, well, thanks, guys, you know, you did all you could, and they're like, no, no, we're gonna help you. Like, we've, we've happened upon your path, and we've kind of made a deal with you, and, like, we're gonna help you out. So, I think it's kind of a, I think it's an interesting, almost overarching theme, if you will, within Mando. Also, maybe within Star Wars in general, right? Um... Yeah, I loved it. Um, in terms of him on Tatooine, I hope that those like time frames are filled in for us. I hope that we maybe get a, a a flashback or maybe a conversation. I'd be really intrigued to know because I mean, it was probably about seven years of time, so it wasn't a right like seven, maybe seven plus at this point years, maybe like eight years at this point. Um. So it wasn't too long of an amount of time, but that's still a decent chunk of time that's unaccounted for. Um, in terms of Cobb Vanth, yeah, I'm intrigued about how <laughs> I would, I guess the only thing that I can assume is that he's been on the hunt for his stuff all along and he just happened upon the town when he saw Mando leave with the armor. That's, and he, and that he knew Cobb Vanth's is, name too. 
the only thing that made sense. Yeah. But so I can only assume maybe it was him asking around, asking around, asking around. And someone finally was like, I saw this guy, Cobb Vanth. He was wearing it. And then Nikki goes over and then he sees that Mando's leaving. That's the only thing I can think of. Either that or he was like, oh, my God, Cobb Vanth is so beautiful. I don't know if I can approach him because that's how I would feel. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, I mean, clearly he has like this damage on his face that I would assume is from like the acids of the Sarlacc, right? So, yeah. I mean, obviously he had, to, I would assume he would have had to have gotten out of there in a somewhat quick fashion to have survived. Um, and, you know, there's lots of talk about how, like, when Jabba's sail barge fell, that, like, the Sarlacc would, like, throw everything up because it was way too much material to be taking in at any given time. So, like, that's kind of a thought um, of what could have happened to, like, have him escape i want to know the full details of the escape and i feel like that's coming because i feel like that's such a for fans that's such a a disputed kind of scenario like how exactly did he survive um so yeah i don't know the as far as the seven years goes i really have no idea i'm i'm super intrigued unless he thought that his armor was gone and he did not think that he would ever see it again and then got whiff of it somewhere like maybe he was off doing other things I think it's apparent he made friends with the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. Or yeah. he fought them because he has the thing. Sorry, that was a lot, but No, 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 no. That's perfect. that's that's perfect. And that, that brings up a, a really interesting talking point of is the armor does the armor make the man or does the man make the armor, I guess is how you could phrase it. My answer is yes. <laughs> because he if let's say he stripped off the armor when he got out of the starlight pit he says i no longer need this armor it's damaged it's it's acid burned it's not going to be any use to me i know it's very important to me and my family but like i need to drop some weights off me so i can make it through this desert alive and like not dehydrate and die mm-hmm. and the jaw was pick it up and then cob vanth picks it up and cob vanth like you know repairs it or the jaw was repaired it technically but then you know cob vanth takes good care of it and and kind of holds it close to himself as something that's very valuable. And that got him through the desert as well. You know, it's yeah. kind of like a handing off of the baton, you know, fate stepping into Cobb Vance's life. Somebody that was wretched to save him was that armor mm-hmm. after yeah, Boba had exactly. just lost it. Right. So for Boba to now see the armor still exists, I want the armor back. Do you think him putting the armor back? Do you think he needs that armor to have an identity? Because clearly he was doing a pretty great job of kicking some ass and also yeah, being this very <laughs> third-party mediator of, like, let's talk. Everything's fine, Mando. I just want the armor. Like, we're cool. Not going to double-cross you. Like, clearly he's got a moral compass like we're talking about. He's, yeah. he's very honorable. Like, does the armor change that? Does that make him a different person? Or is he now the same person who just wants the thing that, to him, represents his father? And, like, what's the purpose of pointing, putting the armor back on? Like, what does that serve? Yeah, I think, well, I think um, it's, like I said, my answer is yes. I think it's both. I think the interesting part about Mandalorians, and I think it's I think it's kind of a thing that's somewhat focused on in the show, because you have Bo say to Mando when they first meet, you know, this has been in my family for generations. Um, and, you know, it's kind of the same thing for Boba, where, you know, this was my father's armor. Um, I think it's... I think it's both. I think it's very apparent, like I said, that Boba does not need the armor to survive. He is 
killing all sorts of stormtroopers without it, but I think it's a part of you. And I think that's what's special about Mandalorians and their armor is like, it is a part of them. Um, and so I think for many, I mean, for various many reasons, he could have hunted it down, but I do think it comes down to his father and his constant mention of his father. I think he really, he's really still trying to do right and honor his father with what he's doing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was so satisfying though, when he jetpacks in and you're like, that's Boba Fett in the armor. Holy shit. (laughs) So good. And, you know, we use the term fan service. We kind of throw that around and and you kind of said that's what the show has sort of become and does it in a way that's effective. And I think that's also kind of what the, the show is trying to do and what Jon Favreau is trying to do is he's trying to take a story that doesn't feel designed. It feels very rooted in reality. It feels very rooted in the Westerns and the old Kurosawa films and the and the vibe of Lone Wolf and Cub. Take all these things that are very familiar to us culturally and uh, storytelling wise and then like sprinkle in all these connective tissues from across every single medium of Star Wars that we've ever seen, right? He takes something from the books, Cobb Vanth, into the show. He's now taking stuff from the prequels, you know, in, in Boba Fett, in Slave One, in Jango Fett, uh, in those Tusken dogs uh, from the, you know, first episode this season, yeah. the Tusken Raiders. He takes in things from the original trilogy, you know, he takes in the Cantina and, uh, you know, the Docking Bay and all these other things. And I think he's kind of trying to make one large pizza out of it and, uh, kind of say, you know, like we can, t- we can have all these ingredients, like ultimately even without the ingredients, it's still, a, it's still a pizza. It's still Star Wars. Like the ingredients don't make the pizza. It's still good. That's the exact analogy I use. Like pizza's pizza, man. <laughs> right. Like if I, if somebody gave me bread and like sauce and cheese, I'm like, great. This is amazing. This is fantastic. And then you're like, oh, you got sausage on there too. Oh, that's, that's really good. You got, you got peppers. Oh, that's also fantastic. So I think fan service is good, right? And and I think it still should should serve a purpose. Obviously, yeah, like you shouldn't because... just put pepperoni on your pizza just because you want to. Like, no, it's got to taste good. Yeah. You know, what do you think of the whole fan service conversation that's that's kind of going on? I think. <sighs> I feel like I feel like Star Wars is that though, and that's the thing is like the thing that Star Wars does best is it's intentional fan service, kind of like what I said before. Like, I don't mind it if it makes sense. And I and like you said, you know, I and I would argue maybe even from the beginning, Mando was kind of a fan service kind of deal, because even in the beginning, you have all these little bits and pieces that they're putting in. You know, you watch the Mandalorian gallery where they talk about everything and it's and it's John Favreau just saying deep cut, deep cut, like all the time, (laughs) you know. So I, I mean, that's the thing is, I think a lot of things can be labeled as fan service, but it's the way in which you do them that matters. Mm hmm. Yeah, because if it's all flair and no meat, then it, it kind of falls yeah, like, apart. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. And that's kind of, we had the conversation about Ahsoka last time showing up and everything. And I'll be honest, initially when I first viewed it and I didn't really think super critically about it, I was kind of like, yeah, that seemed a little fan servicey because I didn't really initially like say to myself, okay, I understand specifically why it had to be her to deliver this to this message to, you know, Mando and tell him you know, I can't train him because of the attachment. But after watching it again and really thinking about it and reflecting, I'm like, it makes perfect sense because of her mm-hmm. relationship with Anakin and everything that she saw happen. So, yeah, I think as long as it's intentional. 
Yeah, and I, I think, again, you know, being a good counterpart for Din Djarin, again, the, the connection of being a foundling just like just like Jango Fett, I think that's really uh, incredible. And I'm so excited to see what kinds of conversations happen these last couple episodes. And that makes me wonder, you know, there are only two episodes left. There's still a lot to go through because, you know, we got to rescue, we got to rescue Mayfeld, probably going to take an entire episode. And it's like, do we have time for more intimate conversations? Do we have the time to show a flashback of Boba Fett maybe quickly explaining to Jin Jaren where he's been at and like what he's been through to kind of give Din Djarin like, oh, like, I didn't realize you've been through some shit. Like, you lost your parents yeah. just like me. Like, we both lost our dad, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. We both, you didn't have a mom. I had a mom, but I also lost her, too. And there's that kind of connection of loss. And they kind of both can see each other as brothers, which I think is really exciting. That is kind of a, a cool thing. Bros. And again, Mandalorian <laughs> bros. And then they, like, fist bump each other on the on yeah. slave one. Oh, but man. It's, it goes back to Din saying, you know, Mandalorian isn't a race, it's a creed. It doesn't matter if you're from Mandalore like Bo-Katan. Uh, clearly, Din sees the value in Boba keeping this armor and that it means more to him than just being yeah. from Mandalore and being, uh, you know, following one certain way. Uh, Boba followed a different way, but his father was still a foundling at the end of the day, and that's what matters the most. And I think yeah. this is speaking to Din Djarin eventually getting out of his typical way. Uh, people, people are contributing to that currently he's gonna he's gonna get himself there i agree i feel like now the more that you're talking i think about it and i'm like yeah well it could go either way maybe there's just like a quick little thing and then it's like oh we got mayfeld cool or i mean you know last season there was like a whole episode leading up to like the big fight so to speak where it's him collecting everyone so maybe it's another one of those scenarios who's to know oh yeah you're right yeah that would be kind of a fun Mm -hmm. episode because i did like chapter seven a lot i just there's so much to be resolved it makes me nervous <laughs> yeah i don't think ahsoka's I, coming back i really hope oh no she i doesn't. don't think so at all and i hope not yeah. that would kind of take away because again the conversation last week was all about ahsoka like that was all anybody talked about and i think there's mm-hmm. some issue with that when you're watching a show not about ahsoka and all you can talk about is ahsoka exactly. she steals the attention when she's on screen and kind of dominates too much of the conversation so i think it'd be a, a big uh i don't think it'd be a good thing to do to include her but oh, who, do you th- agree. who do you think is going to be part of this this gang that they're, they're putting together um i mean it's a clearly mayfeld i'm sure i feel like at this point um grief carga and cara dune will probably be part of it especially grief carga oh my god i want to see grandpa grief get real mad about <laughs> oh my like god. i want him to just absolutely <laughs> tear through stormtroopers because he's mad about grogu being uh, taken away but yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised if maybe there was some sort of way that uh mando could find or reach out to Bo. i mean unfortunately you know uh sasha banks said that Costco reeves is not showing up again which is like the biggest bummer ever but maybe just Bo is able to show up i don't i don't know um yeah i mean clearly mayfeld's one of them i don't i was kind of like oh i wish that the twi'lek would be you know, uh, Jeanne would be showing up, but I don't know. She's not very, well, he's probably not really trustworthy either. I don't know. Maybe, maybe more of that crew will show up. I would be super Tom into Vance. that. I loved, 
Maybe Cobb Vanth, you're right. I don't Frog know. Lady. I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I feel like if we're going to follow a pattern here, because I feel like the show does follow a lot of patterns. A lot of the the adventures are, hey, I know you need this thing, Mando. You got to help me do this first. Hey, we got to do this mission. Come do this. And so, you know, last season, like we said, the the episode before the last was kind of getting the gang back together so maybe maybe everyone maybe frog lady i would die <laughs> i need frog lady with her little blaster just like <laughs> killing everyone for um for grogu oh, but God. oh man that would be really really neat yeah um, it's like avengers and an end game like turned up to 11 <laughs> yes oh my gosh oh my yes gosh. yeah on your left <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I would love if it started with something like that. Before we move on, I wanted to just drop this here because I think it's very interesting. Um, yeah. I did not have time to sit and stare at Boba Fett's chain code that he displays, but I had a friend that did so, and they told me, they reached out and told to me, Nick, you're the best. I don't know if Nick even listens, but you're the best, Nick. But um, Thanks, Nick. Said that one of the... Um, one of the things that's on there is um, it says mentor Jaster. And so Jaster Mareel was actually like kind of from what I was able to look up, um, kind of like a father figure to uh, Jango Fett. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. He raised him as his son. So that's kind of, and there's like a lot, if you look up the Wikipedia, the yeah, Wikipedia page, right there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of like mention of like Death Watch and things like that. So, um, yeah. So that oh. is very interesting that they're bringing that into the fold and like putting that in there. It's pretty neat. Yeah. There's actually the, the reason that sounded, uh, that sounded familiar to me. If you played the original Star Wars Bounty Hunter game, uh, which was back yeah. in like 2003, mm-hmm. I think it was on uh, PS2 and GameCube. It might have been Xbox. Um, but but uh, Jango Fett mentions Jaster Mareel in that game as somebody who who uh, cared for him. Yes. So that was the last time I've heard that name. But yeah, that's that's uh, they're both from Concord Dawn, which mm-hmm. is in the Outer Rim territories. It was a, a planet devastated during the hundreds of wars, which. Boba Fett mentions his dad fought in the Mandalorian Civil War, which I'm like, give me a book about that. I would read the shit out of it. Like, that mm-hmm. sounds really interesting and cool. And Concord Dawn was ruled by Fen Rao uh, during the, the Age of the Empire. So there's a lot of, I think Concord Dawn, somebody had said that was also a part of that chain code too, um, it, that was listed in there. And yeah, Jocelyn Real, if that's also involved, that, that would be pretty cool. I would love to learn more, honestly, about just like ancient Mandalorian tradition. Uh, who knows if we'll ever get like a Boba Fett book formally or uh, even a Jango Fett book, honestly. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just love learning about these characters. I would like either. Yeah. Also, Adam Christopher is writing a book for Mandalorian that comes out next year. So I wonder if it's a Boba Fett book. Who knows? Who's to know? Who knows? We'll see. Fennec Shan, by the way, again, I just want to emphasize, so happy she's back. <laughs> Ming-Na Wen kicking some ass uh that one shot you mentioned of her jumping off like kind of slow-mo pointing the guns that's actually almost shot for shot from the movie desperado which is one of robert rodriguez's films and there's a shot of antonio banderas jumping off of a roof turning around shooting two pistols off at the same time and it's like the exact (laughs) same shot so i just love when directors kind of add their own flavor and kind of references to their own work 
It's kind of like, you know, Tom Vanth doing the explosion in, in chapter nine. Same thing as Iron Man for Jon Favreau. So I just love those little connective tissues. And I hope maybe they talk a little bit about about that in the docuseries coming out soon. So I'm really excited to hear from all these new directors, especially. I want to know more mm-hmm. about Robert. Uh, he seems like so cool, yes, intriguing. I can't wait for the gallery episodes. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the Empire. I was completely shocked when the Razor Crest blew up. I knew it was coming. It's been through so much. It was inevitable. It was bound to happen, but still shocked nonetheless. My mom was like, she, she audibly screamed when it happened. And yeah, this was a huge loss for the Mandalorian and seeing the, the giant cruiser in the sky and Moff Gideon show up and launching the Dark Troopers, which they're formally called now. They look so scary. It looks straight out of Dark Forces, which people were talking about, and it's pretty much exactly what it, we expected it to be, which I'm totally oh, yeah. fine with. They looked really, really cool. I feel so bad for baby Yoda, for Grogu, you know, on that stone and being like, who are these four droid things, like, taking me right now? What is happening? They look so, like, Macquarie's, like, early drawings, like, yeah. later too, like, in the face. Like, they're really cool looking. And they're yeah. very Iron Man, too, at the same time, which I love. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and Baby Yoda's eyes, too, they're getting very animated. I don't know if you've noticed that. They're kind of having these, like, weird moments where they he does, like, the side-eye thing. And I can't tell if yeah. it's CGI or if it's still the puppetry, but it looks great. Like, I, I want them to keep doing it. Bringing Krogu up to Moff Gideon, having that one-on-one time that we've heard Giancarlo mention finally arrive. What did you think when Moff Gideon showed up in that room and just saw Grogu tossing those stormtroopers everywhere? <laughs> uh, it was uh, so good. I mean, you know, he's such a good actor. Like, <laughs> Moff Gideon is terrifying i love it um yeah i loved because i i always watch things with subtitles on um and uh loved here like seeing like the i think it was something to the effect of like stormtroopers yelling like in the behind the door <laughs> like i'm like oh baby's messing it up and that's yeah. exactly what happened um i loved seeing that um but the whole time which is exactly what moff Gideon said i was like oh my god no but you're gonna go to sleep now because you're so tired and him just being like you're so sleepy i'm like oh this is horrible but it's also just such like it's cool to see them together at the same time like it's kind of neat um i like died over the the binders that are like i can only imagine custom made to fit a baby like (laughs) (laughs) yeah like how many of those do they have they're so tiny oh my god but yeah moff's been waiting to use that pair of of handcuffs forever he's like once i have the child we can use those handcuffs that jeff built finally (laughs) those those tiny baby handcuffs so (laughs) sad oh my god i kind of feel like i mean maybe i'm wrong i I feel like and maybe it's just because he is a baby like maybe it will it will work that you know the he's in the binders but like i feel like you could still probably move around enough to like do some force stuff. Like, I don't really know if that's going to hold him, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, and you, you could even see Grogu trying to use the force on Moff Gideon, but he was so tired. Right. And uh, I, so I, I, I love that you brought that up of how it was almost demeaning in a way how Moff Gideon was talking to, to Grogu. Cause like, yeah, it was kind of like, being playful while at the same time being super menacing and just kind of finding yeah. that perfect balance, which I think only Giancarlo Esposito can like do effectively, honestly, like he's yeah. the perfect fit for this role. 
Yeah, and pulling out the dark saber. He's like, "Have you seen one of these?" Oh, yeah. Oh my god. I was <laughs> like, like "Jesus!" Right there. <laughs> yeah, that was like a kind of like a weird flex, but okay. Like that was an interesting moment. But I also like the way, and I don't. Again, like I guess we're gonna learn more about what Moff Gideon's deal is, and like I mean, I don't think that Grogu acts like he knows who Moff Gideon is, but like I don't know. He seems so familiar with all of this that like. And, you know, there's the talk of, like, mentioned before, he got, you know, smuggled away from the Jedi Temple and then everything went dark. And there's been, you know, how many years that have gone by since? Like, I don't know. I get the sense that there's more at play here with, like, the Moff Gideon-Grogu relationship, like, possibly. And I really do wonder what his full deal is, because is he working for someone? Initially, it struck me that, it, I mean, it strikes me that, Moff Gideon's just kind of in it for himself, but there could be something else happening too. Like, yeah, and that's kind of speaking to the the larger empire at work and in the outer yeah. rim, and like, what's who's really running the operation at this point? I, I do think we'll learn more about the dark saber in the next episode or two, because oh, yeah. I know Katie Sackoff, she was getting interviewed, and she had mentioned uh, that there was a story about how Moff Gideon got the dark saber. She didn't want to say, obviously. I think we'll we'll get that story very, very soon. Hopefully, I, I want to get it this season. But yeah, it was so abrupt when he just pulled it out, and I was like, "You're getting that baby's hand so close to that blade, sir. Are you about it to take so off close. a limb?" I was oh like, "God, my God it was so close." No, yeah, I'm like, "Uh, that's too close to the baby." But I mean, I guess I don't know if I. I think we've talked before. We're like, it's like, do you think that? <laughs> do you think them off Gideon like just pulls it out for fun all the time pulls out the dark saber and I definitely think this confirmed that that he's just like walking around the halls of his ship and he's just like hey remember this thing I have this <laughs> oh hey Chad have you seen my dark saber today yeah that's right keep mopping the floors Chad <laughs> it's like using it as a threat to everybody around him to do their jobs I'm like I would hate I feel like Moff Gideon's a micromanager honestly you know He's just oh, like, oh, totally. I always have yeah. this thing He's, on my belt. He if runs you a mess around. tight ship. He's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, next week is chapter 15. For right now, we know it's written by Rick Famiyiwa. Uh, I'm going Yay. to take the bold prediction, which isn't really that hard of a prediction. It's probably Eggs. also directed by Rick Famiyiwa because he's supposed to direct an episode. So we can safely assume written and directed by Rick Famiyiwa. Uh, it's clearly going to be a prison break episode. I think we're going to get Mayfeld out. But I also think. Uh, like the show has been surprising us. It's not just going to be about Mayfeld. He's only going to be a part of it. Really, it's going to be Mando setting up all of all the chess pieces for that final battle. I still don't think Moff Gideon's going to get defeated this season because that would be still a big waste. I think uh, Moff Gideon's still got a long ways to go before we yeah. see the end of him. But uh, I'm excited. Uh, we're going to go to the Carthon Chop Fields, which is where Mayfeld is right now. Yeah, have you uh, looked that up? Actually, I need to like. It's a new see location. A thing already. Okay. But right. he's got a, a fifty-year sentence. So that's a long time. It's a little he's better. He's gonna be pissed. It's gonna be good. <laughs> and then we're gonna go into the season finale, Tori. Which, I mean, it's can't it's believe almost we're already here. here. I mean, wow. Do you think? Do you think he's gonna take off his helmet before the end of the season? Yes. Really? Okay. I don't know. I'm divided. But I think that, like, him sipping the soup is, like, an indica- an indicator of, like, he's getting, like, more lax about it after meeting, like, Bo. And I feel like if the, like, situation is dire enough with the kid, like, it's coming off. 
I think there's going to be a moment where... It's going to be a big moment. Din thinks Grogu is dead. Uh, and, and he's, he's just going like, to be so overwhelmed. He's just going to instinctually take it off and kind of be holding Grogu in his arms. And then like Grogu's going to wake <sighs> my up heart. and like, finally see oh his God. dad's face. And he's just going to be like, yeah. oh, this helmet, this isn't the way. The baby that I'm holding is the way. This is the way. You know? Oh. And that will be kind of uh, poetic. And I'll cry a shit ton. And I think that's what Din Djarin is on his way of learning is like, the way is not the armor. The way is your relationships. It's, it's the people that you love and that you care for. That's the way of, of Mandalore, right? That's, that's the true way. Um, mm. But there really isn't even just one true way. It's whatever you want to make it. And I think that's what it's going to be for Din Djarin. And I think that's why, going back to our earlier conversation, they can't get separated. I think the season finale is going to take us to Camino. We've kind of discussed that briefly, but why do you think Camino mm-hmm. is the right place for us to end up? I know given Dr. Pershing's connection and the cloning that's kind of happening with this, these weird experiments, etc. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, it really could be anywhere, but I guess at this point, like the whole Dr. Pershing thing has been, you know, floating around since season one where everyone's like, that's the Camino symbol. Like, he's got it on his jacket. And it's becoming more and more apparent that cloning's a thing that's happening or some side, some sort of, like, genetic messing around and who does that better than the Caminoans, right? And I just feel like it's been slowly kind of leading up. There's just a lot of, like, prequel appreciation here. And I think if we are to if we are to segue, which I think is the part of the intent of this show, is to segue into First Order era and kind of like Snoke and Palpatine, right? Like I feel like you're gonna have to get more into that cloning stuff. And I mean, like I said, I think Boba Fett being a part of the crew now makes that like really cool. Like I just think at this point, like for them to go to Camino would be really neat at this point with the crew that they have assembled and if they're going there and they're like we've never been here and boba's like well like boba's like fact, i know exactly where we're freaking going like <laughs> I yeah exactly here. i know the hallways better than anybody here's the secret passage to get us <sighs> into that so office you know stoked to see us camino in too like like ton still alive. that'd be real cool because i mean and again you know we talk i think sometimes you're like i can't believe i don't remember this and it's like there's so much to remember though i mean do we know about, like, like, obviously, Obi-Wan knew that they came from there, and I would assume, like, a lot of Jedi knew, you know, that's where the clones come from, but is that, like, public knowledge, per se, at this point? Like, do people know that that's where the clone army originated from? I don't think so. Like, so, yeah, so, like, I guess my point is, is, like, is this an untouched facility, essentially, at this point, that has, that has survived the test of time? It was erased from the maps, right? I mean, Obi-Wan struggled to find Kamino because erased it was erased from, from the, the Jedi archive archives. <laughs> it does not exist. Like, Jocasta knew is so sassy. I love you so much. But I think that's another advantage to that location. Where better for the Empire to rebuild itself and possibly rebuild Something like that no one knew about. this yeah. weird hybrid Jedi thing that Moff Gideon's trying to do than in a place nobody can find? And you know what? I'm just now coming to me. Hello. Um, Who's going to find that? Boba Fett. Like, yeah. think about all the people that are around Mando. Like, who would be able to find that location? Boba Fett. It makes me... Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. Damn. That's a good thought, too, because, yeah. How do we get there? And I think, He's going to know how to get there, yeah. 
I guess my my big question is how do they make the connection to where they're going? Like he wants to find Mayfell to help find the cruiser from Off Gideon. So I'm like, what is Mayfell? Which is an interesting choice. I'm 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 wondering about that as well. Um, I'm sure we'll get some sort of elaboration on that. I'm hoping because I maybe I just need to rewatch the the prisoner again. But I, you know. I don't really know what specifically he would like knowledge wise. I have no idea what he would know. And then skill wise. I mean, not to say that he's not skilled. He is, but I I just, I wonder why him, I guess is where I'm at. Yeah. Because I don't know if maybe uh, Dr. Pershing somehow sparks a kind of thought with Boba of like, Oh, Oh, the Pershings, of course, Camino. Of course. I didn't know them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, our dream is, I think we've kind of agreed that our dream is Camino for the, the season finale. And I would just love to see oh, those yeah. beautiful white hallways. Uh, I think a lot of people would, would start watching the show again if they knew like more prequel love was happening. Because as much as, as it is fan service, y'all, we have not gotten enough prequel love uh, in the Disney era. That's just a fact. And I really appreciate the Star Wars Twitter has been posting a lot of prequel stuff recently. I love to see it. But, you know, I was really, I've always been kind of bummed by the lack of prequel mentions in the, the sequel trilogy. Absolutely, I think Solo did it a 100%. little better. Rogue One did a little better as well. But it, there really yeah. hasn't been much of a focus on the prequels. And that's kind of a big shame. No. Which is why I'm excited for, you know, the High Republic and, and those sorts of things. But yes. mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the more, I mean, if it's fan service, if it's prequels, I don't really care. I love it. The prequel renaissance. It's happening, folks. It is happening. And that's the thing is like people from our generation and then even like the generation like before us, you know, who watched the prequel movies and maybe, you know, some of them didn't hate it because I know a lot of people did not like it um, initially when they all came out. But I think, you know, our generation and that generation are like starting to be in charge of things and in charge of like decision making and things of that nature. Um, And, you know, kind of in charge of, I guess, what you would say, like, is trends and things that people are interested in seeing and stuff like that so i think you know the time is now Mm -hmm. prequel time is now so tori what is your bold prediction for who is directing chapter 16 (laughs) i think we've already talked about this i mean i think we both hope it's george lucas right yes i mean at this point you know to not have that because i mean every other person's like the episode that they were directing has been like released for a while, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I feel like it I mean, okay, if it's not George Lucas, then it has to be someone influential, which we kind of talked about before. Maybe it's someone who has directed a movie before. So, you know, JJ Abrams, Ryan Johnson, Gareth Edwards, like, who is it? It's gotta be someone big. Why would you not have that information available? James Cameron. I'm just kidding. Please do not it's do gonna this. Be a, it's going to be a three and a half hour episode. <laughs> it's all CGI entirely. <laughs> well, I know we're kind of getting like two episodes ahead of ourselves, but I think um, I can't stop thinking about it, though. Like, it's I don't know. I, I, I still get excited. Yeah, because like we know Rick is I mean, that's really the big question mark for me this season is like who is directing that final episode? Like, and it could be as simple as it is just John. But I really hope if we're going to Camino let George direct a Camino I, episode. I don't know why they would have it be a secret if it was John, because John's directed them before. And like George has been the set so many times. And we found out he, too that, that George Lucas photo exactly. with him, baby Yoda, that was the Ahsoka episode. 
Exactly. So, so he was there during the development of that season. Yeah. He was there, baby. He was part of it. So and like, hey, this is how we're this is how we're operating in the volume, George. You feel like confident yet? Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's uh faster, more intense. So uh who knows? Uh I I I I I'm glad I have work off that day because if it is George Lucas, I I know like the fandom, the Star Wars community, every single person on planet Earth's gonna collectively lose their minds that George Lucas has directed anything. Hope so hard that it is like don't they play that at the beginning of the episode too? No, we gotta wait till the very or end. No. Not know. until the very end. Yeah, okay. which I don't want to look it up before. Like I just, I always like being surprised. Like, oh, this is a, you know, this is a Robert Rodriguez episode. Yeah, oh, this is Bryce true, Dallas, yeah. Dallas Howard. Could you imagine watching like an epic finale and it fades to black and, and it's it just directed Lucas. by George Lucas? You're like, holy shit! <laughs> oh, that would be beautiful. <sighs> oh my god. Oh, I'm trying to think of like who else could be impactful. Yeah, I feel like it's just got to be someone that, or I guess ron howard yeah that was my other right? thought maybe who, who knows yeah i didn't yeah. mention him but i don't know i don't think anything is going to be as big of a what than george lucas and it has to be something big because why would you withhold that information that's not that big of a deal if it's, yeah you know well i know i don't want to get anybody's hopes up you know i think regardless i'll be uh pleasantly surprised by whoever it is and uh you know i definitely high. don't want to diminish their work <laughs> just because i wanted it to be george lucas Oh, no, yeah, of course not, yeah. Whatever it is, it'll be good. Yeah, I hope he comes back at some point. I think he deserves to direct something, and what better thing to give him than, like, an episode of a of a TV show, right? Because it's not... I mean, it's still involved, but not to the degree yeah. of, like, a film that would, you know, really yeah, not take up his time. Yeah, of, of a film. Yeah. Yeah, just like that quote that just went out about him that's in the archives book where he's like, you know... I it was really hard for me to not do Star Wars anymore, but doing, you know, a trilogy of movies is like 10 years of your life and like I just had a child and I want to f- focus on my child. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. I think a a um episode in a live action TV show would be like the perfect little project to do that would not be so invasive on his life. Mhm. I think it's bound to happen and I I guarantee, I can almost guarantee you I'm sure Kathleen Kennedy has approached him at some point to to do something. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's got to be something somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Which by the way, I just want to say like George Lucas, that quote you just mentioned, uh he is literally Din Djarin. Cuz like Din Djarin's like I've been <laughs> yes. bouncy hunting for like years, but like yes. I have this kid now and I want to like spend time with this kid. George Lucas, mm-hmm, same thing. I've been mm-hmm. directing Star Wars forever, but I now I have a kid and I want to spend time with this kid I have. It's time to pick the kid a priority. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's just the beauty of Star Wars. You pass it on to the next generation. Uh, you find your new way and uh, that's what you, that's how you live the rest of your days. And uh, I think that's uh, really beautiful, honestly. George Lucas, uh, truly a legend. And I'm excited for the 50th absolutely. anniversary of uh, Lucasfilm happening next year which they just mentioned and which is uh, just wild yeah. oh my gosh i'm gonna buy every single flannel shirt they come out with <laughs> i think everybody wants the george lucas black series <laughs> oh if they don't make that they're fools because <laughs> the amount of people that that would sell out instantly i mean come on yeah yeah no that's like a huge opportunity there well i've had a lot of fun with this discussion you know we've now gone nearly an hour and a half the last two episodes so there's a oh lot to gosh. talk about there is a lot to talk about. Yeah. I, I can only imagine what our mind's going to be going through these next two weeks. And season finale is just around the corner and uh, the Mando making of series. There, there's, a, you know, there's still some good Mando stuff to, to hold this over. And uh, soon to come, Cassian Andor, Mandalorian, Obi-Wan. There's just a lot. 
happening. So uh, very exciting stuff, Tori. Mm -hmm. Very, very exciting. So that about wraps it up for this episode. We have nothing left to cover. So where can our listeners find you online? What do you got going on? Absolutely. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under The Mandatorian, which is The Mandalorian, but there's a T instead of an L. Um, on Instagram, it's the period mandatorian, um, and you can follow all of my adventures with my shop that makes, um, Star Wars inspired accessories and some props like a calamari flan, um, on Twitter and Instagram as well under creature cartel and creature cartel shop. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's the, uh, holiday season. So if you're thinking of getting gifts for people, Star Wars fans, that might be the, uh, the place to check out. Oh yeah. Yeah, thank you for uh, plugging that. That's good. Um, I will be shutting the shop down in 10 days, though. So the 14th of December, we'll be shutting it down for a bit of a break. Um, I am a little, right now, it's a little past the deadline that I would recommend for getting your order in to make sure that it arrives at Christmas. So just if you place the order now, just know might not be a full guarantee of in time for Christmas just because of the, the post office and stuff. So Gotcha. And as for Friends of the Force, make sure wherever you're listening, you are following our podcast. So you get the newest episodes on uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Leave a five-star rating to help others find the podcast and join the discussion. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also support us on Patreon. Thank you to our current patrons, Anna, Cheryl, Christina, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Jessica, Marie-Claire, Marvin, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, and T. And again, that's at patreon.com slash friends of the force we are doing a phantom menace novelization discussion in just over a week week and a half or so two weeks so if you love the prequels as we've talked today we clearly love the prequels here at friends of the force so consider checking that out otherwise tori i will see you next week for chapter 15 where the rick fami iwa train is getting hyped up and i'm so excited for it absolutely for all of you listening thank you so much and until next time this is the way